Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the role of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. Drabblecast, episode 214. The Drabblecast is a weekly audio fiction magazine that brings strange stories by strange authors to strange listeners, such as yourself. I'm your host, Norm Sherman. Week two of Lovecraft Month here on the Drabblecast, and we've got a great story about Breaking Through the Veil by UG Foster. But first, how about a hundred-word story? This week's Drabble comes to us from Jessica Boughton, and it's called My Hot Side. Jessica is a writer and blogger living in Pasadena, California, and you can find out more about her at www.grrlwriter.com. A delicious shiver runs through me as you angrily smack my hot side. I should be good, I should be obedient, but there is nothing as tantalizing as being so, so bad. Your curses meet my ears like the sweetest music, calling me that damned toaster, like the naughty appliance that I am, while your delicate hand hits my brushed metal sides over and over. Today I singed your toast with the hot irons within my belly. Maybe tomorrow I'll set the edges on fire. Oh, the smacking you'll give me then, the pain and the pleasure combined. I can't wait. Ah, the pain and the pleasure. So things aren't always as they seem. That's one big thing that pops up in Lovecraft's writing a lot. Looking under the curtain in a play at intermission and seeing the actors preparing for the next scene breaks the magic, breaks the third wall, and taken outside of this metaphor, breaks your sanity, apparently. Lovecraft said, the sciences, each straining in their own directions, have hitherto harmed us little, but someday the piecing together of dissociated knowledge will open up such terrifying vistas of reality and our own rightful position there, that we will either go mad from the revelation or flee from the deadly light into the peace and safety of a new dark age. And that leads us into this week's story, The Wish of the Demon Actromagic by Yuji Foster. Yuji's a science fiction, fantasy, horror, and children's literature writer and an editor. She won the Nebula back in 2009 for her novelette, Sinner, Baker, Fabulist, Priest, Red Mask, Black Mask, Gentleman, Beast. And her short story collection, Returning My Sister's Face and Other Far Eastern Tales of Whimsy and Malice, is now available from Norlana Books. Check out our show notes for that. Okay, so without further ado, we bring you The Wish of the Demon Actromagic by Yuji Foster. 
The demon, Actromagic, opened the pulsing vein in its leftmost rear appendage. It watched with its crown of vision stalks as its life's ichor seeped into the glowing dodecahedron of power. Intoning ancient symbols of command, the demon performed the five undulations of beseeching and the fourteen contortions of creation. Before its myriad eyes, the gate opened. It was a beautiful thing, glowing and intricate and mesmerizing, alive with colors that Actromagic had never before imagined, much less experienced. Dripping azures spiked with inky cyanide and poppy fuchsia indigos. But more than aesthetic pleasure, it was freedom. Here, at last, was the means by which Actromagic could quit this barren landscape, this perpetual existence of inconsequence. It was free to enter a virgin universe upon which feats of flesh and debauchery could be performed. It would bask in fire and no heat, touch flesh and no pain, and bathe in blood and no lust. Yes. Actromagic flung its tentacles to the yellow sky and crowed, but even as its triumphant bugle rang out, the gate began to close. Actromagic squealed and flung itself into the uprising portal. It was aware of the gate popping closed behind its hindermost tentacles as a chaos of sensation and color assailed it. Prickly sounds warbled in its auditory receptors, sweet and sour colors jabbed its spine, and a sublime aroma, pungent warmth, swirled heavy and rank around a miasma of sweetness, threatened to send it swirling over the precipice of shrieking madness. Actromagic struggled to assimilate it all, to make sense of senselessness, but its protracted existence on a sensation-deprived world had not prepared it for this. All was silent, and soft, and dark. Actromagic, transformed and transfigured through the portal and no longer Actromagic, blinked open one visual organ, then another. When its light receptors did not protest, it deemed it safe to uncase the rest of them. To its astonishment, there was no rest. It was in possession of two and only two visual organs. And just as that thought flickered across its consciousness, it could no longer remember why just two visual organs, they were called eyes, it now recalled, had so discomforted it. Two, after all, was the correct number of eyes to have, as well as two upper appendages, arms, each truncating in a round pad, paws, they were called paws, and two lower appendages, legs with elliptical pads at their ends, feet, and it was reasonably certain that it had a single round and fuzzy protuberance on its posterior, a tail. Actromagic held its paws before its eyes. They were a soothing color, a cheerful, neutral shade that brought to mind warm burrows, forest groves, and dappled sunlight filtered through a canopy of growing things. Yet it knew this body was not meant for roaming through sharp brambles and the green, wet cold. It jabbed a paw into the pudgy softness of its abdomen. Too soft, too round, too luxurious. It was a thing of decadence and comfort. Where the hell have you been? Actromagic froze. The sound was strident, unpleasant, hurting its ears and setting tender nerves jangling and clattering. The next sound was quieter. Nowhere, Mama. If not for the distress in it, Actromagic would have found it enjoyable. Don't you lie to me, young lady. I'll slap that lying mouth of yours right off. No, please, I was just... 
A sharp noise reverberated through Actra Magic's head. It was harsh and left a lingering echo in the abrupt, still quiet of its aftermath. The silence did not last. A rolling vibration interrupted its musings, crescendoing in volume. Before it could contemplate this new puzzle, Actra Magic was swept up. A strange creature was crushing it, clasping it close, and anointing it with droplets of saline. It was such a novel experience that Actra Magic did nothing. It held itself immobile, allowing itself to be compressed and dampened. Oh, bear, the creature said, a muffle of sound in its ear. I hate her. I really hate her. Actra Magic knew what hate was. It was the burn in its gullet that had propelled it here from... from where? But the creature did not give it opportunity to ponder. She clutched Actra Magic tighter. Why is she so mean? Actra Magic could not answer. I wish Daddy hadn't gone away, the creature continued. More moisture speckled Actra Magic's surface. It realized that the creature, a girl, was the source of this fluid and, in a rush, what the girl was doing to produce such copious amounts of it. Don't cry, Actra Magic said. Its voice surprised it. For some reason, it had expected it to be lower and clearer. The pressure encircling Actra Magic's body decreased. It was now able to see a face. Yes, a face. It was round about the edges, with an unruly tuft of reddish gold on top that trailed in two ropes to each side. Actra Magic recognized these fluffy bits as fur. No, not fur. Hair. In the center of this face was a pair of pale blue eyes. The eyes dribbled fluid, the origins of the saline secretions. Actra Magic was distressed that its foray into communication had failed. It tried again. Please cease crying. The girl stared. Perhaps it was using the wrong word. A clarification might be in order. I am getting wet, Actra Magic said. The girl swallowed. I'm sorry? I didn't know you talked. She inhaled through her center orifice, nose, a loud, liquid process. How come, how come you can talk? I am not certain. Have I never talked before? Not to me. You never moved either. Actro Magic mulled this over. I must have been very uninteresting. It's okay. I mean, I didn't mind. She lowered her eyes. I made up words for you, and it was fun. Would you prefer that I cease moving while you are present or speaking? I don't think so, Bear, although I feel like I'm dreaming right now. Why do you call me that? What? You mean Bear? Yes. It's your name, the girl frowned. Isn't it? I do not believe so. I believe my name is... Actra Magic hesitated. It is... Like a sound whisked away by the wind, its true name tickled the edges of memory, a cluster of syllables slipping through outstretched paws, eluding pricked ears, and gone. I can't remember my name, Actro Magic whispered. It's Bear, the girl said. I told you. Actro Magic blinked. So it must be. It shook its head, clearing the last cobweb echoes from its mind. What is your name? Don't you remember? I'm Ellie. My memory is bad, but I will not forget your name or mine again, I think. What shall we talk about, Ellie?
Um, I don't know. The girl released Actra Magic and sat back. Actra Magic found the sensation unappealing. He missed the pressure the girl had exerted. Why did you stop? It asked. Huh? You were... At a loss, it lifted its paws, wrapped them around its furry shoulders, and squeezed. Y you want me to hug you? Actro Magic nodded. The girl picked him back up and cuddled him. That better? Yes. In the shelter of Ellie's arms, Actro Magic felt safe and calm, though it could not recall why it should feel unsafe or agitated. It knew the absence of these sensations was something to be cherished, something precious. Yet it wasn't enough. Ellie was distressed, and that disrupted the effect of the soothing constriction. Why were you crying? it asked. It means you were unhappy. Mama yelled at me again. Actromagic felt Ellie tremble. And she slapped me. Can you not explain to her that you do not relish her raised voice or her striking you? I don't think so. Ever since Daddy left, she's not the same. Actromagic felt hot warmth dot its fur. More tears, trembling. Actromagic raised its paw and spread them as far around the girl's head as it could reach. Do not cry, Ellie. She squeezed harder. Would you like me to speak to her for you? The vibration in Ellie's arms stopped, and she lifted her face from Actromagic's fur. Her mouth curved. It was an appealing shape. Actromagic attempted to mimic it. Ellie's smile, yes, that was it, a smile, broadened. She giggled. I can just imagine the look on her face if you... Ellie, get your butt down here for dinner. It was the unpleasant voice, Mama's. Ellie released Actromagic, setting it back to its original location. The word bed teetered into Actromagic's mind. Thanks for listening, Bear, she said. Dream or no dream, it's dinner time. She pressed her mouth against Actromagic's head in a kiss. Actromagic discovered that it very much enjoyed being kissed. Then she was gone, her departure quieter and less tumultuous than her arrival. Actromagic settled against the softness beneath it on a pillow and cupped its furry chin in its round paws. Now that it was alone, it could address some of the questions that niggled and tugged at it. Something wasn't right. Why could it not remember its name? For while it did not object to Ellie calling it Bear, it knew this was not its correct name. Its true name was longer, more powerful, as befitting a lord or king. Actromagic rubbed its ears with a paw. But why would it have a king's name? Quiet voices drifted up. I'm sorry I'm angry all the time, honey. I can't seem to stop being mad. For the first time, Mama's voice did not contain a gravelly undercurrent of anger or rage. Is it something I did? Ellie said. Oh, no, honey, it's not you. I don't know what it is. Is it because Daddy went away? Another interlude, but this one was different. The air grew heavy, thick with a heat that didn't burn, a tacky something that stuck to the inside of the mouth and left a sour taste behind it. It swelled, pressing against Actromagic's head until it became a terrible ache, an oppression, throbbing, blinding, and fierce. It brought a shout gurgling from Actromagic's throat, and into the pain, like a rending of body and brain, Mama spoke. Don't you talk to me about that shit bastard. He can crawl off somewhere to die for all I care. I don't want you to ever mention his name again, you hear me? 
The pressure relented as though a toggle had been switched, but Mama's voice was a new agony. The undercurrent was back, harsh, jagged splinters in Actra Magic's ears. It pierced through the soft fibrofill, penetrated the brain pan within. Actra Magic pressed its paws to its head, but it could not block out the words. Mama, please. You think I want a reminder of that man? The words created a wound, but not one that gaped and bled, one that opened a dreamscape world punctuated by a sickly yellow sky and boiling seas of brackish slime. You look like your father. It's not enough I had to carry you, vomiting and sick for nine months. I have to look at his eyes all the time, staring out of your ugly face. Seeping plains, interminable, vast, the color of deathless eternity. No escape, no solace, damned and doomed forever in filthy tedium. Actromagic shuddered, lost in nightmare images, crimson lightning dotting a wasteland, twilight despair and feeble railings, isolation in a mewling throng. It thrashed and twisted but could not escape, could not stop the unwanted vistas in its mind. It was silent and soft and dark. Actromagic became aware of a sound not the specter moans of a dead sea crashing against the bones of a barren coast, infinitely better, yet still distressing. It was Ellie. She was crying again. She lay on the bed, beneath many layers of warmth, but she shivered as though she were encased in ice. She held Actra Magic in her arms, muffling her sobs against its fuzzy body. You are getting me wet, it said. Ellie gasped and jerked Actra Magic away from her face. You're talking again, she said. Did I uh, stop? When I came in after dinner, you wouldn't talk to me. My apologies, I was... It shook its head. I was asleep. Ellie dried her eyes with a corner of blanket. Bear? Yes? I think something's wrong with Mama. What do you mean? A hollow noise clacked through the room. Ellie froze and scrunched her eyes. The knock sounded again. Ellie? It was Mama's voice. The door creaked open. Actra Magic watched a woman. He understood that a woman was an older version of a girl, with gray-streaked hair and a darker shade than Ellie's step in. Her face was deeply creased, and she had a thin, pinched mouth. But her eyes were soft. Are you asleep, honey? Ellie didn't stir although Actra Magic knew she was not. The thrumming against his body, Ellie's heartbeat, grew frantic as it thudded against Actra Magic's soft frame. Ellie, I, I wanted to apologize. I don't know what's gotten into me these past few weeks. Silence hung in the air, a cringing animal in a shallow hole. Honey? Ellie clutched Actra Magic harder. Actra Magic watched the softness in the woman fade to be replaced by something else. It felt a familiar horror come from her eyes, a landscape steepled by an ochre sky, boundaried by a stagnant ocean. Mama's voice shrilled out. Are you faking, you brat? Think you're too good to listen to your mother? Actra Magic felt the air grow heavy and thick around them. Ellie huddled under the covers, not breathing, stiff and still. The woman gasped and brought a hand to her mouth. No, I, I, I didn't mean it. Oh, God. She backed out of Ellie's room, and the door clicked closed. The pressure dissipated, potential unfulfilled. 
Actra Magic waited until the rapid footsteps faded to stillness. She's gone, it whispered. Ellie unclenched her eyes and released her held breath. You sure? I believe so. Ellie shifted so she held Actra Magic snuggled under her chin. The tattoo measure of her pulse eased, calmed. I wish Mama was like she used to be. We had fun together before, went to the zoo and stuff, and she laughed. I haven't heard her laugh in a long time. Actra Magic wedged itself into a warm curve of Ellie's neck. I would make it so for you, if I could, it said. Ellie sighed and was quiet. Bear? Her voice slurred thick as her eyelids drifted close. Yes, Ellie. What would you wish for if you could have anything in the world? That was an easy question. To be hugged and kissed by you, Ellie. That's all? Yes. I'm glad. Ellie's arm slackened. She rolled so she lay on her side, Actra Magic cradled in her arms. That means your wish already came true. But your wish is still unfulfilled, Actra Magic murmured. Ellie didn't reply. Her breathing deepened, her chest rose and fell with a slow, even rhythm. Perhaps I can rectify that. Actra Magic squirmed out from beneath Ellie's arm. She didn't stir. Immediately it missed the comfort, the simple pleasure of her embrace. It was tempted to wriggle back, but no, it had a duty to discharge. Actra Magic rolled until it could feel the edge of the bed, gathered itself, and flung itself over the precipice. The floor was further away than it should have been, or perhaps Actra Magic simply, somehow, should have been bigger. Fortunately, tumbling ears over paws did not seem injurious, even though it involved a plummet over several body lengths. Actra Magic bumped to a stop and lay supine, waiting for its whirling vision to steady. Actra Magic propped itself upright. Its legs supported it, though with an unsteady wobble that shaded the whole enterprise with a sense of precariousness. It walked with a bobbing gait, a result of possessing only two locomotion appendages. It seemed to remember a different tread, a rhythm produced by a more copious and muscular set of limbs. Toddling unevenly, it crossed the space between Ellie's room and the dark hallway and peered into the shadows that a new door, slightly ajar, revealed. Within, Mama sat on her bed, illuminated by a silvery moonlight flickering through the window. Enter, she whispered. She was expecting it? Actra Magic bumbled into the room. Standing in its own square of moonlight, Actra Magic noted that Mama's eyes were closed. She is asleep, Mama said. But I was waiting for you, Lord Actra Magic. Actra Magic quivered. What did you call me? <laughs> you test me? I have not forgotten to whom I owe fealty. You are Lord Actra Magic, King of that which lies between, Prince of the Endless Plains and Duke of the Wastes of Tomorrow. I stood by your side, invisible, unnoted, when you carved the dodecahedron. I knew I did not have your strength, my lord, your power to rend the curtain between the worlds. So I waited as you performed the ritual of opening, and I fled through the gate before you. I did this so I might continue offering you my abject veneration, so we could share the delights of this realm together. 
Flashbulb images sparked and flared in Actromagic's head, the taste of alien words in a mouth filled with fangs, a shape aglow with multi-hued radiance, the pain pleasure of flesh that dripped gleaming ichor, a twisted dance performed with multitudes of limbs. Have you not guessed who I am? Mama's voice continued. Have you forgotten me? Your subject, brother, lover? I, faithful Scrapigmort, I, I watched as you chafed, listened at your door as you plotted. I, too, wished an end to our interminable existence, as the ancient scrolls hinted. So it is, an existence of sensation, pain, fury, and violence. This woman's body has taught me these. Is it not marvelous, my lord? Is it not grand? Actromagic struggled with the riots of images that Mama's... No, Scrap Higmort's words triggered. A splash of whirling color, flailing tentacles, a scream of alarm. Actromagic remembered. From not a pair, but a cluster of eyes, it saw a portal closing, remembered plunging through the spasming rift. Actromagic staggered, shaking its head. Oh, I see, my lord, you are still disoriented, as I was when I came through. Time streaks by here when it lulls in indolence for us. A month of this world I have had, a wondrous month of sensation which I have come into my own while I waited for you. How I rejoice to feel your presence this eve. Do not fret, my lord. Soon you will remember, and we will revel in an orgy of suffering. Wait, Actromagic said. The woman, your host, she is still there. Oh yes, her despair, her pain, it called to me. So easy to slip into her damaged psyche. How her emotions wrenched at first. But I have mastered them. I feel her scrabbling and clawing. It is no trouble, my lord. She weakens. In time, she will fade away and be done. Ellie, Actromagic said. Yes, my lord, the girl. You were meant for her. Some trick of the portal cast you to the shell you wear. It is an unsuitable abode for your greatness. I have weakened her for you. Take the girl, my lord. Take her and join me. We will delight in the sensations of our bodies and wreak grand excitement in this world. Actromagic fell backwards onto its fuzzy tail. I... I can't. The door creaked, revealing Ellie crouched behind it. Mama's eyes snapped open. What are you doing in my room? I have to work to put food in your greedy mouth. I need my sleep. Ellie unfroze. I'm sorry, Mama. I, I was just getting bare. She dashed in and snatched up Actromagic. Don't you lie to me. You were looking for money, weren't you? I'll teach you to steal from me. Mama swung her legs off the bed, but Ellie was faster. She darted away, springing down the hall into her room and slammed the door behind her. She fumbled with the doorknob, locking it. Behind them, footsteps pounded down the hallway. Ellie? Mama screamed. Blows hammered the door. You dare to lock the door on me, you brat? Ellie cowered on the floor, as far from the door as she could get into the small room. Actromagic gripped in her arms. Actromagic hung limp, dazed and enthralled in a kaleidoscope montage of memories. It remembered its home, a place where nothing beautiful existed, nothing bright, nothing at all to mark the passage of a sluggish eternity. It drew in a ragged breath and shook itself. It could not go back. It would not. The room, there Ellie's soft bed, and there the window above the desk with its promise of magical vistas just beyond. Yes, it would stay here. 
and there was the girl. Ellie buried her head in her arms. Oh, Bear, I, I wish I was dead. Actromagic wrapped its paws around Ellie's wrist. I will make it better. Ellie jumped as another blow reverberated against the door. How? Actromagic concentrated, letting the memories simmer to the surface of its mind. It needed, yes, I need a knife. What? I, I don't have one. A blade of some sort, something with an edge. I have some scissors, I think. Ellie crawled to the desk under the window and rummaged in a drawer, snatching out a small metal shape. The handles were pink plastic and the tips were rounded. She held them aloft. Will these do? Give it to me and put me down. Ellie sat actra magic in front of the door on the worn lemon yellow carpet. It hefted the pink-handled scissors and stabbed down. The tool was dull, unsuited for this task, but Actromagic made it function. It pronounced the first words of command. As it spoke, it carved a dodecahedron at its feet with the ridiculous blades. This would be easier if it had a few more limbs. Twisting and contorting, it performed the undulations of beseeching and creation. The outline of the dodecahedron began to glow. The thuds behind the door increased. Actromagic wondered if Mama would break it down. You let me in right this instant, Mama's voice echoed through the room. You ungrateful brat, let me in. Actromagic wrenched open the scissors and set the edge of one dull blade against its fuzzy arm. It slashed apart several stitches and a gash opened, displaying the gleaming white of its stuffing. Let her in, Ellie. It said, open the door. I, I can't, I I'm scared. You must, but I've never seen her this mad. And I, I, and I heard what you and mama were saying before in her room. You want to take me over. Ellie, remember your wish. I guess, remember my wish. Uh-huh. If you open the door, we can both have our wishes, I promise. Please trust me. Open the door. Ellie rose from where she crouched beside the bed, trembling so much that Actra Magic could see it over the shining dodecahedron. She groped at the doorknob, fingers slippery. It took her two tries to undo the lock. The knob spun, and the door smashed open, throwing Ellie to the floor. Mama stood, framed by the lintel. The muscles in her throat stood out like corded wire, and her hands knotted into fists. She snarled and lunged at Ellie. Actromagic reached into the gash in its arm and pulled out a pawful of its own stuffing. It flung it onto the faint outline of the dodecahedron and finished the final gestures of beseeching. The portal opened. Shifting colors and whirling, disjointed noises spiraled out and smashed into Mama's body. She shrieked and pitched forward. Her body convulsed, her hands clenched and unclenched. The churning mosaic of colors fractured through the woman's body, entering and passing through it. Spokes of light danced, flickering streamers of viridian, chrome blue and shadowy jet outlined her body in a blinding eddy of brightness. And then, with a hollow sucking noise like a void abruptly filled, the light snapped out. Mama's body lay still. Mama? Ellie whispered. The limp figure stirred. A sigh breathed from her lips. Mama's head lifted. Uh, was I sleepwalking? She glanced down at Ellie, still crumpled on the floor. Oh, honey, are you okay? Did I scare you? 
I'm okay, Mama. Come here, baby. Mama held her hand out. Ellie crept forward, and Mama pulled her close, wrapped her in her arms. Mama kissed Ellie's forehead. I, I can't. Some of it's a blur, but I think... I think I said some bad things, Ellie. Things I didn't mean. Ellie breathed out, letting muscles relax that had been clenched tight for too long. You know I love you, don't you, Ellie? I love you too, Mama. Mama gave Ellie a squeeze. It's late. Off to bed with you. She picked up her daughter and settled her between rumpled blankets and cool sheets. Maybe we can go to the zoo tomorrow. How does that sound? Sure. Mama spied the blob of brown fur on the floor. She picked it up. Your bear's got a rip in him, she said. I know. Ellie held out her arms. I can sew it up for you. No, that's okay. I'll take care of him. All right. Mama settled the soft toy into her daughter's arms. Night, night, honey. She kissed the top of Ellie's head and tucked the covers in around her. Night, night, Mama. Ellie watched as Mama tiptoed out and closed the door. She cuddled her teddy bear close, settling it under her chin. Night, night, bear, she whispered. My name is Actromagic. Actromagic whispered back as it nestled itself into the comfort of Ellie's arms. But I guess I don't mind, bear. our story. Hope you enjoyed it. So, yeah, characters in many of Lovecraft's stories are often unable to mentally cope with the extraordinary and almost unreasonable truths they witness or hear. The strain of trying to cope, as Lovecraft often illustrates, is too impossible to bear, and insanity then takes hold. Usually it's not the ancient, otherworldly evil that parts the veil and comes to this end, though, and usually the change is not for the better when it comes to altering the victim's state of mind. That's one of the many reasons I thought this story was fun. If you agree, you can be a good little toaster and drop us a donation via the links on our website, travelcast.org. Remember, these stories this month are original and commissioned by our podcast. Your financial support goes directly into cool things like that and ensures that they keep happening. And we really appreciate it, because we really love bringing you these stories. All right, before we duck out this week, our 100-character story winner for, wow, week two in a row, Christopher Monroe. This guy's got it. And here his story is. Worry not, he said, smiling. I'm a white wizard. It was only later I realized not only was he evil, he was racist. Follow us on Twitter to get those early each week. We're at the Drabblecast. And post a 100-character story yourself in the TwitFix section of our brand-new, no-hassle, upgraded discussion forums. They're linked off our website at drabblecast.org. You might be next week's winner, folks. All right, everybody, that's our show this week. Remember, the Drabblecast is produced with the Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License, which means don't change or sell it, but feel free to share it all you like. Write us a review on iTunes or your website, your blog, wherever. It's cool. 
share the weird. Special thanks this week's awesome episode artist, David Flett. David lives in Toronto, Ontario, and is working towards becoming a licensed architect. When he's not at the office, he spends much of his time drawing and painting for his own personal enjoyment. More examples of his work can be found at his blog at weird-birds.blogspot.com, which you'll see in our show notes. We'll see you next week, weirdos. Until then, I'm Norm Sherman, reminding you that you're getting our fur wet. The evening saunters to closing. The waitress turns chairs upside down. Piano player picks up his tip jar and drink, and the bartender shouts last round. An hour ago, this place was loaded. A noise filled the room like the smoke. And laughter and curses spilled like booze from a glass. Words were all slurred when spoke. Yes, words were all splurred when slurred. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. 
Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.